0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now
1: from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham, because win or lose, we will discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. Now, Carl, we're celebrating our 50th episode tonight. Unfortunately, the party's been slightly ruined after last night's showing, but that aside, how have you been since we spoke on Monday?
0: Yeah, like you say, Dan,
1: was was better
0: maybe 24 hours ago. Um, but, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, we're still probably somewhere where we didn't see us being from that first game of the season. So we just have to try and take it, don't we, and hope that we can pick ourselves up and move on.
1: Also joining us on this landmark episode is Tottenham superfan Abby Gray-Summers. So Abby, thanks for getting involved on such an occasion. How have you been since we last spoke?
2: Thank you very much for having me. Um, I've been good. Um, I'm not too disheartened about last night, to be honest. Um, I think uh, we, we gave a pretty good um, go of it, more than a lot of teams do at Anfield. So I'm not too disheartened. I'm not too down about it. Good to hear. And
1: because it's a special episode, we're doing something different tonight and we've gone across... Enemy lines for the opposition view. A view that comes from Ben Brady and he's on the excellent Rivalry Aside podcast. So, Ben, rivalry aside, how are things with you, mate?
3: Yeah, really good, mate. It was a um, good result for the Reds last night and uh, thanks very much for having me on.
1: Not a problem. I'm looking
3: forward to uh, getting your Liverpool
1: slant on this in a moment. So, before we do, let's get the social media bits out of the way. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On you Spurs app where the podcast is available after each morning that we record, it's always on there. So it's not a Tuesday on this one. It'll be Friday morning. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter. We're on COIS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If you're not on one, let us know and we'll get it on there for you. Right. Let's get down to business. And that business, Carl, it seems as if Liverpool, how can we describe this? are like the end of level boss on a really annoying computer game. One that we just cannot seem to crack. We spoke on Monday about turning up at the very least. Do you think that was the case or was it another miserable big six away day?
0: Um, I don't consider it one of our most miserable, um, you know, top six away days. You know, I can remember quite a few in the past where we've actually been embarrassed. Um, You know, I I wasn't surprised by the performance and I'd be surprised if any Spurs fan was surprised by the kind of way we set out to play. Um, It's been the template against City, you know, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home we kind of knew what we was going to do. I think the first half was a tougher watch than I think I've seen us play for a while because we really didn't have any of the ball apart from the one goal that we did, you know, and the rest of the time we were just literally backs against the wall and just trying to hold ourselves out. Um, And then obviously in the second half, you know, I don't think necessarily quality-wise on the ball we improved drastically because I think some of the decision and the quality on the ball wasn't great. But, we created the chances that probably should have seen us win the game, and I think we are just left with that normal frustration feeling that you know we 've had an opportunity or had an opportunity to get some get a gap and get an important victory and, and The more frustrating thing is that yet again we come away from a game having to go lick, lick some wounds and come back and try to sort of pick up again from where we were and not be able to take advantage but you know performance wise i wasn't surprised in in the way we set out to play it's it, it's not it's not pretty but given the results we'd had previously we knew joe say wasn't going to change from that system
1: so abby as tottenham fans collectively we've almost got used to not losing especially this season it was what 11 unbeaten in the league and when that finally happens it's quite difficult to bear now you'd like to think most people have been level headed in defeat but there's always some that are a bit too reactionary in their views and some are already saying that we're now out of the title race. What's your opinion?
2: Oh, my God. I've just seen some ridiculous comments on t- on, on Twitter in the last 24 hours. I mean, people have lost their heads. I know it's been a while since we lost and, you know, credit that that's a credit to how much we've improved. And if you go back to that first game of the season, you know, you would never have thought we would even be in this position. I think you touched on it earlier. So I've, I've seen some outrageous comments. I mean, I read that Stephen Bergwijn's turned off the comments on his pictures um, on Instagram because of the abuse he was getting. And, it, and it's bang out of order. It's completely unfair. You know, you, you have to be, you know, <laughs> mindful about who you're playing against. We've gone to Liverpool. We've just come off the back of a really difficult run as it is, you know, with City, Chelsea, Arsenal. And, we, we, you know, we played how we played and we achieved results and we've gone to Liverpool no one wins at Anfield and you know despite not having the ball despite sitting back we still managed to hit him on the break and we had four really good chances you know to win that game and you know small margins if you know potentially the ball falls to Son instead of Bergwijn it's probably in the back of the net similarly with Harry Kane when do you ever see Harry Kane miss chances like that from you know four or five yards out It's one of those things. And, you know, it is frustrating because I think we definitely, we defended so well, in my opinion, to take something from the game. You know, I think it probably would have been fair, potentially, for a draw. Obviously, you know, Liverpool set out to win the game. We set out to not lose the game. And that's the difference in approaches. But to go to Anfield and, you know, play that way, defend really solidly for 90 minutes and have one, you know, small lapse, in concentration that shows you why Liverpool are champions but for people to be going overboard saying about the title race it's so close with all the teams not just Liverpool you know you've got Everton behind you've got Leicester behind Southampton are there City will most definitely be coming up as well so I think you know to say that Tottenham aren't gonna win the league or press for Liverpool all the way or whoever's at the top is it's just ridiculous and whether or not we win the league or not I definitely think we will win a trophy this season and I think that's a lot more than we could have said in previous years. And to go to Anfield and give them a pretty good game of it, you know, regardless if we've defended the whole time, I think even going back nine months or or going back even under Pochettino, I think we would have crumbled.
1: Okay, so let's ask Ben, because on this show, we obviously think Tottenham are the greatest team in the land. But of course, we're nothing but incredibly biased. So I want to get your take on this title race, which is just starting to form properly after that sort of mad start to the season. If we assume that Liverpool are the rightful favourites, do you consider Spurs to be genuine challengers also?
3: Yeah, I do, mate. I think they're by far the better team of uh, the rest. There's, the other sides are just slipping up far too much. And I think the way Mourinho sets you up, it's it's tough for people to break you down. You know, and I think, um, you know, the likes of the Sain and of Hoiberg, I think that's made the big difference for me for Spurs. You look a far better unit. Um, and he's obviously, I think, for me looking at Spurs last season, it looked like Ndombele was in and out of the side. I was surprised that he didn't start him yesterday, to be honest. But I think he's obviously playing a lot more. I actually rate him as a decent player. Um, but, yeah, I do see um, Spurs as the, um, you know, the title challengers to us, to be honest.
1: OK, then, Carl. So, if we look at the way we lined up last night, you'd have to say personnel as a whole is not the biggest surprise. But what did you make of the shape? Namely, Lo Celso being deployed on the wide right to start with. Did we see too much early ground to Liverpool? Yeah,
0: I think you have to say, you know... In the previous games we've played, haven't we? You know, Chelsea, Man City, um, Arsenal. The first half has been the half where we've kind of said, "Well, okay, we're going to try and hit you more and kind of imprint ourselves on the game as being a danger." And then we've seen second half we've kind of dropped off, thinking, "Okay, now let's defend what we possibly have." Um, So you know, normally the blueprint has been to come out and kind of have a go in the first half. Whereas, yeah, you kind of got the impression that we were just sitting there thinking, listen, let's take our time, just make sure we stay in this game um, and don't do anything silly. It did just result, didn't it? I I don't think the first half of formation and the players where they were playing suited anyone at all. I don't think it suited us. You know, Sissoko being out more on the the kind of right you get, he's trying to help Aurier there and cover that space. You know, Lo Celso it is better in the centre. So I, I don't think the personnel where they were playing helped us, but it did its job. You know, we got to half-time at 1-1 um, and you sit there and go, OK, we're in a good spot. And then in the second half, we kind of changed it slightly, you know, so Soko moves more into the centre. Um, but yeah, I think in the first half, it was slightly worrying how the game was going because... You're normally seeing us at least cause some problems on the break, whereas we really saw nothing in the first half apart from the one goal. Um, and, and that was where you're sitting there thinking, oh, we normally look a lot better than this. Um, so if, if this, this carries on into the second half, this really is going to be a grind to get through. But it did change that second half and we looked slightly better.
1: So, Abby, if there was one surprise in the starting eleven, it's probably at left-back. Ben Davis. Now, I remember him having a torrid time at Anfield. I think it was in 2016. Sadio Mane had him on strings all night. So, it wasn't that bad a performance. But what did you make of him overall?
2: I thought he was fine. Again, he obviously was, was the one that I thought, oh, interesting, he's put him in there. But Jose went there to not lose the game. And I, and I totally get that. Because we've seen so many times, you know, we've got done at Anfield loads of times. Everyone gets done at Anfield. So, I got why he brought him in. And I thought he had... A pretty fair game. I thought all, you know, all for what it's worth, the defense had a good game. I thought Aurier had the game, one of the games of his life. Actually, I think he was really, really impressive. Again, showing how far he's come under Mourinho. Um, and Ben Davis, he does a job. He's never going to be that type of player that is a reggae on and will go down the wing and get back and be rapid and put those beautiful crosses into the box. But he does a job and he's reliable. And I think that he wanted someone, you know, extra at the back who could be reliable and I, I, I think for the amount of chances and the amount of possession that Liverpool had I don't think that, that there wasn't any particular big chances obviously than the one that they scored which was you know our fault anyway I don't think they I think we limited them in a type of way that it <laughs> that they weren't as clear like they weren't as clinical as I thought they would be against us and I think that's a credit to our defending.
1: So Ben you weren't necessarily clinical but you had the feeling that it was coming and it did come eventually. There was an element of fluke to the goal, there's no doubt about that. But do you feel it's a deserved opener for Liverpool?
3: Yeah, and I felt like it was coming. Um, there was at one point, you know, Liverpool were literally pushing Spurs back and back. And it's, it's hard to keep up the concentration levels, isn't it? Especially when you've got Mane and Salah um, fizzing around the box. Um, I did feel like it was coming, but I thought Spurs held their own quite well. And, it, you know, credit to them. They, you know, they sat in, in a good pack. And I thought they defended very well. But it was just one of them. It was coming and it probably came at a good time for Liverpool. I just thought Liverpool were going to kick on again. Um, I had problems with my uh, TV. And for some reason, it felt like Son scored straight away. It just, like, clicked on and off. And then the balls on the back of the net, which was a bit annoying. Um, but, yeah, I always thought it was coming. And, um I was surprised they couldn't get a few more and be a little bit more sharper in front of goal, to be fair.
1: Well, Cole, with that goal going in for Liverpool, and you're right, Amazon Prime just sort of went, oh, and there's a goal for Tottenham. Everyone's like, oh, hang on, is there. Like, Just caught everyone on the hop, but it certainly caught Liverpool on the hop. It would have been easy for Hedge to drop going 1-0 down. That certainly didn't happen before the interval. I think, obviously, Sun will get credit for such a great finish, but also the Celso needs credit for such a great pass.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, know, that that was the one moment of quality that I think we was hoping we'd see more often, wasn't it? You know, get Son on the shoulder. You know, Kane had one of them days where he just couldn't get hold of the ball the way he probably wanted to, to try and look for Son on the break. Um, But we got that one moment. And yet, you know, La Celso makes a good run. He times the pass perfectly because I have to admit, when I saw the goal... Um, in real time, and then you saw the replays and you see the lines coming on. I thought, here we go, this is going to be disallowed because initially you kind of just got the impression that Son was maybe going to have his big toe just over that line, which then sees it called offside. Um, thankfully, he was just on, um, took it really well. You know, it, that goal really gave me flashbacks to the Sissoko miss. Um, a couple of seasons ago because it just seemed similar, didn't it? It was the same half. You've got a player running through with the keeper one-on-one and you're just trying to think, oh, please just keep calm. And this time, thankfully, Son, you know, gives him the eyes, thinks he's going to go to the far post and smashes it in at his near post. Um, and before you know it, yeah, we're back in the game and you're suddenly thinking, well, here we go. Um, we could have seen the hedge drop. You know, we have seen it in previous years, that one goal and then suddenly another one follows quickly after. But I think that's one of the things that he has got this side drilled to go, don't panic, it's only one. And while it's one, and as we've seen many a times this season, while it's only one, you've still got a chance.
1: So, Abby, with the scores level, had your nerves calmed down at that point? Because I think everyone was sort of quite frantic in the build-up. Were you thinking, OK, we've equalised, we've navigated these choppy waters to start with, now let's see what we're made of?
2: Yeah, exactly that. Because I think that there's obviously been times this season where, You know, we've shown that we're not how we used to be. We've got a lot more grit about us. We've got a lot more steeliness. And I think the only thing that lets us down is the the slight lack in in recent weeks to actually see a game out. But I think that once we got that goal back, I thought, well, this is just going to be how the other games have been. We might not go on and win the game, but I I, I did think that we would weather the storm. So... It, it gave me a little bit more hope to think, OK, well, good, we got ourselves back into it. And, you know, you will get those chances on the counter. And obviously the second half we saw we, we had a few chances, which unfortunately we couldn't put to bed. But I think that just proves that, you know, if you set up in the way that he does against those th- those teams, you, you can always break. There will be opportunities. It's just about taking the chances as and when they come. And obviously it's gone for us in games against City and against Arsenal as well. But it's just one of those days where it's fine margins and it, it just didn't go for us last night.
1: Talking of fine margins, Ben, I don't think it's much finer for the goal. So I know Liverpool were taking umbrage to VAR as of late. It's not quite gone your way. So do you have genuine reason to complain or was it literally just the decision being as it was?
3: Yeah, it's just one of them. Um, it is what it is. Um, the thing with VAR at the minute, I my issue with it is I, I think it's good for the game. But the problem is the people that are handling the VAR is the issue that I've got with it. They just don't seem to have any control, you know, especially when the, there's been a few incidents recently whereby, you know, the refs have been going to the monitor and, you know, sticking with the decision or going against VAR. But for the majority of the season, they've just been taking the word of the person down the earphone to them, which has been the wrong call in a lot of games. But it's, um, hopefully we can get through it and the VAR doesn't keep interrupting the games because for some of the decisions, it takes too long for my life and I'm, I'm sure yous would agree as well. Absolutely. I mean, to
1: be fair, at least Tottenham didn't lose by some form of controversy. I know there was a little bit of contention that we'll get to later on, but it wasn't like some sort of scandalous decision that's come from technology and all that. So if there's any slight, I don't know, solace in it, I think that's probably it. But, Cole, second half now. To be fair, we had a chance, a big chance, just seconds after the restart. So Bergwijn showed great strength and got himself in a fantastic position. But unfortunately for us and for him, that finish left something to be desired. Yeah, I mean,
0: I felt he possibly can, you know, one of the things I kind of think we have a problem with with some of these wide players is their strength on the ball and sometimes they all seem to get knocked off the ball a little bit too easy. Um, but Bergwijn, like you say, gets himself in a, you, you suddenly start thinking a decent position. Um, and I think my issue is, and And I put the tweet out there, say a week or so ago, is I think the one thing that will hold us back this season is, you know, if Kane and Son go through dry periods, which they're going to, I don't think we've got players in that squad who've got the composure in front of goal and the quality in front of goal that will help see us win the games that we need to win. Um, You know, with Bergvine you've got a prime example in the Chelsea game, you know, he has a really great opportunity in the box, cuts in, puts his shot over the bar. As you say, the first shot that he gets away. Yes, you know, it, it was slightly difficult. The defender gets himself back there, but you think Son or Kane in that position bury it. And, and one of the problems for me, I just believe, is I don't believe we've got the players outside of Kane and Son who've got the quality to win us enough games and step up and score goals when we need them to in big fixtures. And, and this is one of those prime examples, isn't it? This game last night, you know, at Liverpool, you're only going to get a couple of chances to win the game. And when those chances come along, you need cool heads and players with the quality that can finish. Bergbain for me has done has done well the last few weeks in terms of a defensive job, which we know he's clearly there for. Jose likes him for that work rate. I'm afraid, you know, I, I question, I have question marks over his quality on the ball in forward positions um, and what he can do as an attacking threat for us. But right now, he's in there because Jose likes that defensive work. And who knows? Maybe it's just going to take one goal to get him back in the swing of things. But my concern is that players like him, Mora, people like that, they won't be able to provide the quality and key moments to win us the games when maybe Son or Kane are not able to do it themselves.
1: And Abby, on that topic, a lot of people have said on Twitter and social media, "Well, some would have scored that." And do you know what? You probably would have. But as Kyle was alluding to, that's not good enough. You know, we can't just rely on the talismanic pair, and it does indicate a chance like that or chances that really that load has to be shared elsewhere?
2: Oh, 100%. And... You know, like Carl said, I, I agree with everything he said. And they, you know, C- Kane and Son will go through a dry patch, as all strikers do throughout the season. And I think that one of our biggest problems is that we don't have, you know, goals from midfield. How we used to have it with Delhi, we used to have Ericsson that also obviously chipped in. I don't. I think that we miss that massively. You know, and there is such a reliance on on Son and Kane and them being prolific every single game that. You know, if shit does hit the fan and we don't have them, like we've seen time and time again when when they have got injured and we haven't had the striker, we really struggle. And, um, you know, you've got players like Lucas, you've got players in Lamella, you've got players like Bergwin, but, you know, it's it's what they can contribute in front of goal. Yes, we like their work rate. Yes, we think they're great guys. But if they can't do the job they're actually there to do, which would be, you know, attacking, score goals, then there's not much point of having them, in my opinion. So I think for us, if we're going to you know, push on and we're going to try and really mount a credible challenge. We have to go and get someone else, whether not 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 a striker. Obviously, you've got um, Vinicius and you've also got Bale, I guess, hopeful that he might hit some type of form as, as the season goes on. Um, but you need to go and get a goal-scoring midfielder to replace Ericsson, um, because obviously we haven't replaced him and we haven't replaced the goals that he chipped in with.
1: So, Ben, if you make a case for your defence, it's been something of a patchwork quilt as of late, hasn't it? Basically, what two bodies we can find to play. What did you make of your pairing last night?
3: Oh, mate, it's been a difficult few weeks for Liverpool. You know, I felt like getting my boots ready myself I <laughs> thought I was going to get the call. Um, but I thought, you know, I think Fabinho, he's that good of a central defensive midfielder. I never had to worry about him coming back in. And I actually think he could be a top partner for Virgil van Dijk. In the long run, if we need it. Um but I thought Rhys Williams was superb last night, because he for me he was going against the best duo in world football at the minute on form. So I think he, he handled himself very well. And you know, he was playing for Kidderminster last season. Um so to be playing against these, he's he's never come up against two better forwards at the minute, you know what I mean? So it was a big game for him. There was a little few times when I thought, you know, he's been a little bit rash. But I just think he was just trying to perform very well for the fans as well, being at Anfield. So I thought, overall, they've done a very good job. And, you know, for a young lad, 19, on his debut in the Premier League, I think he handled himself very, very well.
1: So, Carl, if we look at Tottenham in the second half, there's a charge sheet of misses. Bergwijn's first miss is just the smallest on this scale of gilt-edged. So if the first was perhaps snatched at, you know, didn't really get himself quite in the right position to get his foot around the ball... What did you make of the opportunity that hit the base of the post? Yeah, I mean, the the one that hits the
0: post, it, that, that is just unlucky, isn't it? You know, because he, he gets put in and he kind of does everything right in theory, doesn't he? You know, it's fine margins. You know, Alisson makes himself big. He's bent it round him. And unfortunately, you know, we weren't lucky enough to see it hit the bottom of the post and then spin in, were we? You know, it hits and just comes out. That That's one of them misses that actually you sit there and go, that's not the... That's not the worst miss you'll ever see. Unfortunately, you know it's that, that you're talking millimeters from maybe being a hero on the night. Um, I think, as you say, that there, there's another miss just after that from someone you certainly wouldn't have expected to miss from there. That's the one that you really look at and go, "Oh my god, that that should have been the one that, that saw the lead be taken." But yeah, that was unlucky. You know, it's, anyone can hit the post
1: from there. So, Abby, obviously, Son scored the goal in the first half to put us to level, but what do you make of his overall showing? Because in terms of positioning, he seemed a bit out or a bit different to usual weeks. When you're sort of seeing opportunities that were presented to Tottenham and Bergwijn is the man getting those, you're thinking, hang on, shouldn't that be Son? So, I know we sort of spoke about players who should take chances, but why is Bergwijn getting those chances in the first place?
2: I think that it, it was it purely was down to positioning. I think that there was a lot of Son tracking back last night and... You know, obviously once he went off, Lucas Moura was brought on literally to pretty much do that and fill in that position and and be tight and help Aurier. Um, But I mean, it it swings and roundabouts because depending where you put them across the pitch, I think there's been such a heavy emphasis on tracking back and defending recently that we haven't really seen, apart from when we do counter, we haven't really seen us play any type of attacking, flowing football going forward. So the only chances you do get from them is seeing them actually break. But hopefully, I mean, obviously, I think Leicester will be a much more open game. Um, And obviously, you know, the hard run is is kind of a little bit easing (laughs) easing off. So you would expect that Jose will go back to playing a slightly more open style of football and not just, you know, sitting back and waiting for the counter, even though we do it so good. And then obviously that will bring... Sonny a bit more into it because I feel like he's been paying, like penned back a bit. How how he was last night was just quite, pretty much a sole emphasis on not losing that game. Which I mean, obviously we did in the end, but that that was how I felt that all of them had set out to play. I mean, Harry came so deep as well last night. He always drops deep and helps defend, but the second half last night he was he was literally in, in midfield um, for for the most part. So um, I, I look forward to seeing how he sets up against Esther and hopefully a little bit more attacking.
1: Now Ben, a lot has been made of how you stopped Kane and Son. Now something that Liverpool, on the whole, managed quite well. A lot of clubs have failed. So what did you do right? Which other clubs are doing wrong?
3: Oh, I think um, we just had to keep them out of our area. To be honest, um, I think Liverpool's game plan was to pin Tottenham back as you know as far up the pitch as they could, and just keep that extra man back. I think like Jordan Ensign kept dropping back and swapping with Genie Wijnaldum just to give that extra man towards the back if they needed to but it's just one of them and it's hard to keep up the concentration levels to be attack minded when a lot of the game they were tracking back so you know I think after a while it's it's hard isn't it to be sharp up front and I think that's what Tottenham's problem was last night any other team they're going to get more chances against and I think they'll be a lot more sharper but they both look knackered I thought yesterday and it's you know a lot of teams play Liverpool and they are chasing around the pitch a lot because Liverpool's energy levels are just through the roof sometimes. So, I just think it was it was just one of them. I think they looked a little bit tired when they were getting towards the box. And it's, you know, there's been a lot of teams coming to Anfield and it's, it's been the same sort of issue as well for them other side. So, I just think if you are to, you know, keep them quiet, you've just got to be switched on with your passing, which we were doing yesterday, I thought, um, and just keep them, you know, away from the box.
1: Now, Carl, if we're discussing misses... You just sort of touched it. So let's expand on that. We can't really absolve Harry Kane from blame either, can we? Because if you're going to put your house on him scoring a header, that's probably the kind of bet you're making last night. Yeah, I mean that, that that chance for someone like
0: Harry is gilt-edged, isn't it? You know, you're really sitting there thinking: if someone explained what was going to happen <laughs> at that corner and said the ball's going to come in inside the six-yard box and Kane is going to have a free header, you'd be sitting there going, right, where do I sign my mortgage over? Because <laughs> this is free money, basically. Um, so for him to miss. It, you know that that was kind of the real guilt edge one. That I think really on the night you look back and go, that was the one chance that was probably the winner, or could have been at least the winner in the game. But you know, again, this is the difference, isn't it? You know, with people like Bergvaien and the, you know, Mora and Lascello, you're sitting there just saying they're not good enough consistently enough. It would be hard to pick Harry Kane out and criticise him too much, given everything the guy's done for the club and how good a player he is and how good a season he's had. It's just a shame that he just obviously picked that one moment just to probably do the worst header I've seen him do in the last three or four seasons. Um, And unfortunately, again, it's that same old frustration, isn't it, that, When we need to take the real big chances in the big games, sometimes we let ourselves down. Um, But that was one that you do look back and go, wow, that was the one for me.
1: Now, Abby, we touched on fans being over-reactionary earlier. So let's sort of go back to that topic and Stephen Bergwijn, because you also mentioned notifications being switched off. Let's be honest, if a Tottenham fan is driving their own players to do something like that, they don't really have a place in the club, do
2: they? No, absolutely not. I can't bear to see fans act like that. Of course, you're a fan, you can have an opinion, you know, you, you pay good money to watch football in, in usual times. Um, but, you know, there are certain clubs, you know, down the road that do that and attack their players like that. And that is not something that, you know, I like to see. I'm sure all of us don't like to see that. Um, from our own fans. And it's totally uncalled for. I mean, the guy put in a pretty good shift last night and he has done, you know, for weeks on end since he's been in the team. And yeah, okay, he's missed a couple of chances. Yes, it could have won the game. But it's just, at the end of the day, it's a game of football. Don't start abusing the guy to the point where you know, he's, he feels that he's got to turn his notifications off because of the abuse he's getting from his own fans. Like, it's just so embarrassing on so many levels for, for our fans. And whoever's doing that should be ashamed of himself because it's a game of football. And whoever's, you know, having a go at him, well, you know, ju- it's just enough. It's just not necessary to do so. And um, it's just really disappointing because the, the shifts he's put in defensively, I think have been great. And that's solely what he's been there to do. And um, I think people should be a little bit more appreciative and should really put things into a bit of perspective um, in how they react to games. It's it's just absurd. I mean, people are throwing their toys out the pan and had the biggest tantrum over a, a loss to Liverpool, who are the champions unbeaten in now 66 games at home. I mean, they're making out as if you've lost to you know, a bottom of the table side. It's just, I just think people have lost the plot. Now, Ben, it's
1: something that Liverpool players, some of the youngsters have had to deal with also in recent times. So... When you get comments that are from your own supporters, not even rivals, why do some people think that players on social media are fair game?
3: I don't know. It's just ridiculous. Like, obviously, you've just touched on it then. But we've had the issue with, um, I don't know if you know much about him, but the young lad who plays right back, Nico Williams. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had one bad game and got slaughtered to death online by, I think a lot of people just are bored and make stupid Twitter accounts and stuff and just go on the rant. But I just can't understand why. You've got to remember, the pressure that these lads are under to step on the pitch with these two clubs is unbelievable. And I'm sure it doesn't take much for your head to drop. So I just can't understand why why people take the time to be trying to rip them to pieces. At the end of the day, they're just doing the job, aren't they? And I think people need to just get off the back a little bit and be a bit more supportive.
1: Absolutely. And, Cole, a lot of this comes down to you'd never say that to a man in the street or face to face. So cowardice, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think you know we, we've seen
0: it, and this is an issue with social media, isn't it? As the guys have said there, this is people making basically fake accounts that they can hide behind, and it's one of these issues that I think social media really needs to look at around how they can actually kind of like see who these people are making these comments so they can be held accountable. I mean, you know, tonight's a great example. We've got Abby on. Um, you know, she's one of our own and she talks a lot of sense, but we've seen some of the, the uh, female um Tottenham supporters lately who are are there on social media doing their bit and deliver just as good a content as anyone but you still have the mindless people who are like oh you're a woman what do you know you won't know nothing about football you don't even watch the games and yet these are people who speak more sense than most of these people after time you know we've even seen fans threatening other fans with being stabbed and stuff because they have a different (laughs) opinion and and this is stuff where like I say the, the social media platforms need to find and a way of making sure if you create an account there's some way you can be held accountable for that account that's going to be used and the content that goes on there if it's the wrong sort of content then you can be held up for that and, and in these sort of instances you know banned from using any social media going forward.
1: Well Abby, it's like whack-a-mole really isn't it because you, if you ban at Horley Havertz then another account gets done minutes later and the abuse keeps going so what responsibility do social media companies need in this day and age?
2: you've got to be able to have some traceability back to the people. And Carl was spot on. I mean, me personally as a woman who is, who's on Twitter and has a, you know, a fair amount of presence on there um, in terms of Tottenham following. I mean, I get pelters all the time. I get so many comments sent to me, DM to me really inappropriate things, people just being rude. And, look I guess people have accepted the fact well you know if you've got a following it kind of comes with with having that but it's not acceptable and it's not right because you know some weirdo is sitting at home with his keyboard thinking that he can't ever be held accountable for the things he says to people but you know it does affect people's mental health and it's not right and it's when you look at how people have been this year and how people have been affected so much with the pandemic and things like that. You, you just have to put some perspective on it. But who in their right mind is sitting there making these fake accounts, shouting abuse at someone, especially if that someone plays for the club that you supposedly love? Like what, what person in their right mind does that? What sick troll does it? But Twitter, Instagram, all these social media channels have to find a way that whether or not it's by ID, identification or something like that, whether it's linked to another account of yours to make it traceable to a real legitimate account, You know, it has to, people have to start being held accountable. You've seen racism this year, you know, players getting absolutely hounded after games, you know, black, white, whatever you are. And it's just just not okay. And something something has to stop. Something has to change moving forward.
1: Well, ultimately, Ben, this is social media at its worst because at its best, it allows us to, to do things like this. You know, me chatting to a Liverpool fan, we'd only sort of really conversed a week or two ago, come on our show. You know, rivalry and banter is great, but when you cross the line, that's the ugly side of it, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it's just it's a pain to see, isn't it? And it's like after comments that you see on some of these players' posts anyway, you, it doesn't even make sense half the time. Anyway, chatting rubbish about even some of the lineups that they come up with it even baffles me from some of the Liverpool fans, and I just don't even know where they get after the um, the comments from to be honest.
1: Right, we can't gloss over it anymore because Liverpool did win, so we better talk about that winning goal. Now, Carl, there's been shall we say forensic claims from Twitter, our Twitter fan base that is, that we should have had a free kick with the goal going in. Do you think that should have been a case or are we simply clutching at straws here?
0: Yes, yeah, it's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, when you see that highlighted, obviously we're talking about the Henderson knock on Dyer, aren't we? Um, you see it and, and there is clearly an attempt to kind of block the player. But I, I still feel we probably should be defending that a little bit better. You know, Toby's not as close to his man Firmino as he needs to be, um, and you certainly wouldn't be expecting you know Firmino to be able to to outdo Toby in a penalty box corner situation. Um, Dyer probably needs to be a bit stronger, you know, a bit cuter. He should know that there might be a block about to come in and, and stand strong. I think he potentially goes down because he, there's a hope in him that he might get the free kick. Um, but I don't even think VAR gave it a second view. I, I think we're clutching at straws to try and think that we should get that one um, disallowed because of that foul. Because, you know, that that sort of stuff is going on all the time at corners, to be honest.
1: Now, Abby, foul or not, I think the bigger crime is not putting a body on the near post. Now, hindsight is a wonderful thing, especially in football. But when you see a goal of that go in, you think, oh, it looks just so obvious, doesn't
2: it? It is, but it's so frustrating and it's 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 a game that is going to niggle at us, it's going to annoy us, it's going to hurt us until we have the return fixture. <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, it, it, for for example, obviously if one of the Bergwin shots go in, if Kane shot go in, you're looking at it completely differently. You're looking at it as somewhat of a Mourinho masterclass, but... You know, there are still errors in us. We saw it against Palace, we've seen it against Everton, we've seen it against West Ham, and we've seen it against Newcastle. And I think that just proves that there is still quite a long way for this Tottenham side to go in in respect of how much they already have come on. There is still lots of things needing to be tweaked and learnt from in order to really push Liverpool from their perch. And it's, it's a tough task because even with their injuries, you know, even with them not being as clinical as they usually are, they are still miles ahead of the rest of the pack, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's something that Jose will learn from. and I think it's something that Tottenham have learned from. And um, they've got this good thing this season going on where every time we have obviously suffered a loss or suffered a defeat or um, something's gone wrong in a game, I feel like we have learned from it. So you would think that going forward, we will learn from the mistakes we've, we've had at Palace and the mistakes we had at Liverpool.
1: Ben, does that mean that Tottenham and our perceived rivals collectively, can they take some solace in the fact that Liverpool aren't quite the juggernaut that they've been the last two seasons? Don't get me wrong, you know, they're still dominant, still top as they are, but they can be got at. There's a little chink there. So is that the thing that other teams will be latching on to?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, like, you know, look, you've got to be taking advantage of the fact that Liverpool, you know... The defence is constantly changing at the minute. You know, we've got Joel Matip, who, you know, he's made out of crisps. He can't <laughs> even last two weeks, um, which is frustrating. And I think that's what he's starting to get to Jürgen a little bit. The players that he expected to count on this season, injury-wise, have let him down. The likes of Chamberlain, Naby Keita, Shaqiri, Origi, Matip just in and out all the time. And then, obviously, you've got the bigger names who've been injured, Van Dijk, Thiago's and so on. But, yeah, it definitely is like... the minute i don't know if teams have really noticed it but the hard away form hasn't been the greatest this year and i think that is due to the fact that we can't really make the substitutions now don't get me wrong obviously we have the same amount of substitutions as anyone else but it's all about are the players good enough and if you look at the liverpool bench you know in the last few weeks it's a lot of kids when if you're going for the title you can't keep putting kids in who you know haven't had a debut and stuff like that so you know, for the other sides around, they've definitely got to keep keep up with it. And, you know, obviously I've looked into Tottenham a little bit more. Like as you know, one of the lads that I do a show with is a big Spurs fan. And um they have improved massively. Like for me, I don't think there's a better manager in the world to be in charge of Tottenham at the minute to win them something. I think Tottenham fans need to get over the point that it shouldn't all be about how you play. Spurs' thing should just be about winning something and just getting one over Arsenal and putting something in the cabinet. You know, so I think, you know, For me, Tottenham have improved a lot. They are a lot more harder to break down. um, And I think Jose is definitely the right man in charge. So, it'll be interesting to see how the teams get on. I do believe Liverpool, when they get the men back, you know, the Thiagos and stuff, who has just started out on the field against um, training, I think you will see maybe Liverpool start picking up the pace a bit. So, it'll be interesting to see how Spurs react, but I do believe they're the strongest out of all the rest.
1: Now, obviously, full-time Liverpool win, but we weren't quite done because, Cole, There was a few comments at the end from both managers, a little bit barbed. Mourinho saying that the best team lost. Is this a masterclass in deflection?
0: Yeah, I think this is just Jose's typical siege mentality, isn't he? And trying to sort of you know, refocus where the media attention might be, you know, maybe pull it on him rather than the players. It's a tactic he's done all his career, isn't he? You know, I don't think Jose Jose would rather see the the media and press talking about him on Monday rather than one of the players, say Bergvine, who's missed a couple of chances. Um, And it's a way, I think, of taking that pressure off building up a bit of a siege mentality and a bit of belief in the players. Um, and a lot of the time it works. So I, I'm not going to argue with what he's doing. You can look at it and think, oh, better side on the night, Jose.
3: <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I'm not so sure about that one. But I think there is that element of mind games. Um, and, and he loves doing it. But He thinks it works. You know, he's trying to get the players on side and build up that resilience and stronger mental strength between them. Um, And so far, you'd have to say it's been working this season. So he's not going to change that tactic anytime soon.
1: Abby, just how much of a bitter disappointment will that defeat be for Mourinho? Because looking at his comments and that slight skirmish, it looked like it hurt.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely will hurt. I think you can see just how much it, it's hurt everyone. You know, Mourinho, the squad, and, and obviously the fan base too. But I think it's, in in a way, they can use it as a good hurt. You know, it will be something that, we'll, like like I said earlier, will niggle at them and they'll want to rectify it. And hopefully they're now getting into this mentality that Mourinho is trying to implement at the club, that they can bounce back. You know, they, they need to prove it. And I think how they come out against Leicester and how they, you know, attack the game, how they finish the game. And obviously, if if we have got a lead, obviously seeing out the game, which is obviously what we struggled against with, um, you know, with Palace. Um, And obviously last night, we just couldn't make it over the line in terms of getting something up there. Um, So I think it will be interesting to see how we bounce back and how much our mentality really has changed. Um, Because obviously we've seen Tottenham over the years, you know, fall apart and really just capitulate. And um, I just don't see us in that same way anymore. I see us as, as having a bit more about us. And finally, Ben, Mourinho
1: made reference to Klopp and, shall we say, his constant movement up and down the touchline. So, how much truth is there in that statement? Is this just sour grapes from Jose? Because when you look at the Spurs boss, he's no saint when it comes to technical area infringements either, is he?
3: Ah, look, Liverpool and Jose go way back. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, he can't talk about touchlines when he was running up towards the Chelsea fans at Anfield when he, you know, on the Gerard slip. So, it's just my games, isn't it? He's very good at shielding his players. Um, and that's what I think... You could see that the Spurs players are buying into it, can't you? You know, if they're not, then obviously they're not good enough to be there because he's, you know, he's a very good manager to have for what they're trying to, you know, get. And that is, you know, a trophy, whether that be, I obviously still believe Liverpool win the league, but I mean, you know, Spurs have got to be in a show for the Europa League and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it's just mind games, isn't it? Klopp's the same. I think Klopp's comments after the game was, you know, you can park the bus, you can park the plane, but we're still going to go through it. So they're just playing each other off, aren't they? <laughs>
1: Right, so we're running out of time, so let's quickly do a Leicester prediction. I literally want to score. So, Ben, give us a guest prediction from your sort of neutral stance. What do you think is going to happen between Tottenham and Leicester at the weekend?
3: I do think it'll be a very good game. Um, I actually speak to the Jamie Vardy look-alike, Lee Chappie. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. last night. Yeah, Yeah, he's a good lad. He was surprised, Everton won. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they react, and I think it's also a bigger thing to see how Spurs react. Um but I do think Spurs will do it 2-1. I wouldn't be surprised if Son and Kane are on the score sheet as always.
1: Good lads, Abby. What have you got for
2: me? Uh, I would have had the same 2-1 as well. That's I think all right. We'll probably you can come copy? Come yeah, I think we'll probably concede. Um, in the sense that I think they're they're very they're very good going forward, as, as we're all aware of with Vardy, um, you know, and, and the others that are there too. So I think that um, I do think they will come through. I think it'll be 2-1 Tottenham. And Carl, what are you saying, mate?
0: I think we might just nick a 1-0. I think we'll go back to that clean sheet and, and possibly, you know, again, nick that sort of goal uh, and then look to just see that game out and defend tightly. You know, Jose will be well aware of Vardy's pace, so he's not going to push a high line there either. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll nick a 1-0. I'll
1: take 2-0 then. I think we were comfortable against them last season and I think more of the same this time around. Right, that brings us to full time at the end of our 50th episode. I need to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking my three great guests. First up, Ben, thanks for saying nice things about Tottenham City this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one.
3: Yeah, mate, thanks for having me on. It was great to come on and have a chat with you, isn't it? would be good to come on our show and I'll always come back if you need a Liverpool fan to have a chat.
1: Absolutely. Do you want to plug your pod while you're here?
3: Yeah, so with all the listeners, if you want to head over, there's you know, myself, Liverpool fan, there's a Tottenham fan and there's also an Arsenal fan, so get involved and give them a little bit of stick. And you can find us at Rivalry Aside TV.
1: Top man. Also, I need to thank Abby for a sterling performance tonight. Anything you'd like to plug also? Uh,
2: thank you, as always, for having me on, um, especially in the 50th episode. Absolutely. Uh, what, what do I want to plug? Uh, I've got my own podcast and um, with three great guys who are part of Copper 90. It's called Run of Play Pod. Uh, might have seen it on my on my Twitter before um, it's you know not just talking um, about Tottenham it's just football in general topics surrounding football whether it be to media PR things like that also I just had um, Tom Huddleston on actually funny enough for the Spurs plug um, who uh, was on our last episode and we've got another one coming out next week um, and also my weekly articles for give me sport which are usually out every Friday or Saturday so keep your eyes peeled for those
1: Fantastic. And Cole, I know you've got nothing to plug, but you'll be back with me on Monday for our final episode before Christmas.
0: Well, I've got a double bed for sale <laughs> at the moment, Dan, if I can
2: plug that. Um,
0: you know, all offers welcome. Uh, that's about as exciting as it gets plug-wise for me at the moment. But yeah, been, been brilliant. Dan enjoyed all these 50, you know, it, it's great every week. It's great therapy for us, isn't it? When, when things don't go the right way. You know, So thanks to all the listeners for, for what they do and the feedback and questions they give us. And here's to another 50, mate.
1: Absolutely, of course. Without the listeners, we're nothing really. So we've got 50 in the tank. Here's to the next 50 and many more. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs
0: fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the
1: best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free KOIS app now from the App Store and Google Play.